As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried him away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Alex. All right. Glad to be back. Uh, we just had a great interview with Dr. Tony Costa. Really can't wait for you guys to hear this. That was good. He was... Uh, Man, there's Sharp. there's levels to this game, and he's like, I think he just kicked it up a notch on us. <laughs> oh, a couple. He notches. might have bammed it up a notch or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank God for people who are very competent, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, we need them, us mere mortals. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly did. Listening mm-hmm. back to it, I thought that was a great discussion and um, definitely uh, needed and this week's discussion is going to kind of touch on some of the same things but uh, obviously expanding on uh, on certain aspects of it so really really glad that we had Dr. Costa with us and uh, I guess before we cut over to that we'll give a shout out to the sponsors Um, shout out to Tristan the folklorist yeah upper 40 studio always happy to be to be here um we don't. We never take it for granted that we have this lovely place where we can just show up and uh, do what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, of the Classical Christian School, as always, very happy uh, to be a part of the work there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do want to do read a quick intro for Tony, and then we can cut over. Yeah, the other thing we're going to mention is the conference oh, of right, February. The conference, February. So we got a conference coming up in February, our first inaugural. And uh, we're going to be talking about the theme of building. And we want to present a positive vision. You know, in the last couple of years, a lot of what we talked about is reactive. And we want to say, look, what are we giving ourselves to for the next 30, 50 years? Building, you know, Christians, families, churches, schools, businesses, etc. So we got Pastors Aaron Rock and Pastor Jacob Rayom and Pastor Nate Wright and Pastor Ben Inglis, and a bunch of plenaries, some breakouts um, as well. So we hope that you can make it. We'll put a link for the uh, the sign, the registration for that. And we hope to see you in the blistery Peterborough in the middle oh, of yeah. February. All right. So Dr. Tony Costa is someone that I've um, known for some years now, and uh, he is a wealth of information. He has his BA and MA in Biblical Studies from the University of Toronto. He earned his PhD in New Testament and Theology from Radboud University in the Netherlands. He is a professor of apologetics at the Toronto Baptist Seminary, and he also teaches at the University of Toronto in the areas of Gospel Studies and Archaeology of the Bible in the Ancient Near East. He is the author of Worship in the Risen Jesus in the Pauline Letters and Early Christian Creeds and Hymns. He did say he's got a forthcoming book. What did he say? The King? No King But Christ. No King but Christ. The Collapse and Bankruptcy of a Secular mm. Worldview. So we were really excited to have him on. And uh, without further ado. Okay, well... Dr. Tony Costa, thank you so much for joining us. I know Jeremy and I've talked about having you on for some time, and uh, we thought that this would be a good time 
to have Dr. Costa on because of his uh, background in um, not only New Testament, but apologetics, and but even applying that to broader cultural issues. Um, I'm going to link to an article that Dr. Costa wrote for Dominion Press a little while ago about cultural Marxism, where you can kind of dig a little deeper into this. Um, but the reason I wanted to have Dr. Costa on is because Recently, in light of events in Israel with the terrorist attacks by Hamas, uh, there has been a reaction all across Canadian cities, cities and even just Western cities. I mean, I think I saw in London there was like 50,000 person protest and um, a lot of people have questions of what's going on because the day that this happened, most sane people felt that this is something to mourn. I mean, this is a catastrophe. This is a profound act of violence and wickedness. And irregardless of your view of the Israeli state in its relationship to Gaza, uh, all human beings should be able to affirm that the slaughter of innocents is just wrong, no matter who does it. We haven't affirmed that for a while now. Yeah. Where, where have you yeah. been? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Call me uh, optimistic, but... Anyway, you're introducing our guest. Well, yes, and the yeah. reason and the reason we <laughs> the reason we want him to come on is because I noticed in the protests that followed, which were kind of celebrations, um, amongst the Palestinian flags were Marxist and communist flags, and I thought, what mm-hmm. in the world is is going on here? Like, what do what do communists and Marxists have to do with Palestinians? And, and Islamists, and Hamas in particular. And um, so I was confused. I went back and read Dr. Costa's article, and he actually made the connection months ago. He made a, a, a point of reference to the Marxist support for the Palestinians against Israel. And so we're going to get into that. Um, but before we do... Perhaps uh, you could you could help our listeners understand what what is Marxism. Maybe start with classic Marxism, and yeah. um, then we can work our way towards the present present day you know outworking of that. Well, well, classical Marxism begins with Karl Marx in the uh, in the nineteenth century, mm-hmm. and Karl Marx um, wrote a book called The Capital. And what he did was he believed that the problem with uh, the world was uh, disparity in terms of economics mm. uh, and also the fact that there were uh, society was broken into classes. And so the two main, um, the, the two main uh, culprits, according to Marx, was what he called the proletariat and the bourgeois. The bourgeoisie or the bourgeois are the capitalists, the, those who own the means of production, those who own the big businesses, the big CEOs. And the proletariat are the workers, so the factory workers, those that uh, bring revenue to the owners of the company and so forth. And what he did was he created this idea of a disparity between these two classes. Mm -hmm. And he believed that the proletariat, the working class, were being, basically, they were being deprived of their rights. Uh, They were doing all the work, and yet the big bosses are making all the money. Mm -hmm. And so what he argued was that the only way to get rid of all these different class distinctions was a revolution. Mm -hmm. A revolution would have to take place whereby the proletariat, the working class, would overthrow the bourgeois or the the capitalists, uh, for lack of a better word. And so what he argued was that the, the time would eventually come when 
there would be a great war. And he predicted there would be this big war that would come and that at that point, um, all the, the proletariat, the working class would take and seize the opportunity to overthrow their their overlords, their bosses, their capitalist uh, bosses and so forth. Um, well, 1914 came, we had the First World War and this was already after Marx. Um, Marx predicted that this would be the catalyst revolution. Well, what happened was majority of working class people actually conscripted to fight for their countries, the United States and Britain and uh, all across Europe, France and so forth. These guys were not overthrowing their, their bosses. They were joining the army to defend their motherland. And so many, many communists uh, after the, the First World War were really shocked that there were some revolutions. In 1917, you had the Bolshevik Revolution with Vladimir Lenin. Um, and then, of course, later, there were some revolutions that took place in Cuba and in China under Mao and, of course, uh, in Cambodia with Pol Pot. But what really shocked the, the Marxists in the 20th century, the early 20th century, was that where were all these revolutions that Marx predicted? Well, what this did was it, it opened a, a new class, a new school of thought called neo-Marxism mm. or cultural Marxism. This goes back to the 1920s with Antonio Gramsci. And what they argued was that while Marx had the idea right that we needed a revolution and that there was this tension between the bourgeois and the proletariat, what they argued was the revolution is not economical. It's cultural. The revolution must begin through culture. Mm. And so what they did was they took Marx's bourgeois and proletariat classes and they reinterpreted them into the oppressor and the oppressed. Mm. So the oppressor now is no longer identified as the big capitalists. The oppressor was defined by the neo-Marxists as Christianity. Mm. Christianity is an oppressive religion. They painted it as basically uh, uh, accommodating the slave trade, uh, perpetuating the Crusades during the turn of the millennium, and everything that was basically deplorable to Christianity, they exalted, and everything that Christianity exalted, they debased. And so marriage was attacked as a, an oppressive patriarchal system where women were subjugated, you know, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, so to speak. And so they argued that the real culprit here was Judeo-Christianity. And so they created uh, an assault, a two-pronged assault on two main things, bring down Christianity, and secondly, bring down Judeo-Christian values of the West. So the West is based on Judeo-Christian principles of the supremacy of God and the rule of law and so forth. So this school evolved into, into the 30s. You have the beginning of the Frankfurt School. And of course, uh, there you've got um, you've got uh, people there uh, that are that are leading the, the the this whole called cultural Marxist view. And then with the rise of Hitler and the Nazi regime, um, these guys moved out of Germany because Hitler Hitler was not a big fan of communism. They made their way across the Atlantic and landed in, in New York and went to Columbia University. And they argued that one of the ways we could um, uh, speed up the revolution within culture. And they were very smart and devious about this, uh, guys, was they said, we must do it through the academic halls, through academia. Mm. It has to be done through academia. And so what they did was they started introducing what was called social critical theory. And social critical theory has is now known today by its other uh, twins, like um, post-colonial studies, LGBTQ studies, 
um, women's studies, uh, Aboriginal studies, and so forth and so on. Um, and so what they did was they infiltrated the, the universities and the colleges in the United States. And that is why today most of the professors in the universities are Marxist. They're leftists. Mm -hmm. They're Marxists. And then shortly after that, they also understood that another way to get through the culture is through the film industry. So they made their way down to Hollywood, and then they started uh, infiltrating the, the film industry. And so that is why today, uh, you know, even back in the 90s, you had shows like Will and Grace and, and others that tried to, you know, present homosexuality as an alternative sexual orientation, mm -hmm. uh, acceptable lifestyle, and so forth. So if you look at our, our movies today, our films today, there's a very strong uh, undercurrent, a very anti-Christian undercurrent, a very anti-family undercurrent. Uh, a very anti-heterosexual, um, um, uh, one-man-one-woman view, pro-choice, pro-transgender, and so forth. So all of that to say that this has been in the works for decades. And the fruit that we're seeing now in our, in our governments and in our societies, and even, unfortunately, in our churches, with the admission of woke and CRT, critical race theory, these are all siblings or children, rather. These are all children of the cultural Marxist movement. Mm. And so it's pervasive. Uh, we're, I, I also work at the University of Toronto, and there's a, a big push there for equity. It's not about equality. It's equity. Mm. Um, uh, there's also um, sensitivity training for those who are uh, don't know about their their white privilege. They, 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 they don't know about their white fragility. So... All of this stuff, these are all, all offspring of the cultural Marxist movement. So uh, I, I would have a question. It seems like the stated goals of the Marxists and the progressives, they never seem to achieve them. Um, is, is that because their stated goals aren't their actual goals, or is it just reality comes crashing in and it's impossible? Yeah. Or a bit I th of I think, Yeah, I think it's reality. Like when you look at classical Marxism— you know, we look at the millions of people that died under Stalin. Uh, we think of the millions that died under Mao Zedong and, and Pol Pot exterminated a third of Cambodia's population. And so whenever these Marxist groups bring about all this bloodshed, and by the way, Marxists and communists have shed more blood than the, than the Nazis. But all we hear today is Nazis. Mm -hmm. It's all about Trump is a Nazi. Mm -hmm. uh, they use the word Nazi to attack people they don't like, but you rarely hear them calling them Marx, uh, you're a Marxist or you're a Leninist. And so Marxism, if you notice, is, is almost lionized as, as, a, as an acceptable, as acceptable worldview. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're seeing here um, is all of these calamities that have destruction that classical Marxism has brought about, what you'll always hear theorists say is that, well, you know, we're working towards the utopia because Marx envisioned a time where you would have this utopian world, uh, no class distinctions. Man would live side by side with his fellow man, which is really a parody of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because Karl Marx, think of it, Marx is the prophet. His mm -hmm. book, The Capital, was the Bible. The Communist Party was the priesthood. Mm -hmm. And and the kingdom of God, the future kingdom of God, is this utopia, mm -hmm. as he called it. Mm -hmm. So what you will always hear people say is that, well, th that wasn't real communism. Yeah. And then I have to rhetorically ask the question, well, how many bodies have to lie on top of each other mm -hmm. until we get to the right communism? Mm -hmm. And so what they'll say mm -hmm. is you need to understand that 
Marxism is a form of, of evolution. Uh, one of the things that Marx appreciated about Charles Darwin was that Darwin spoke about evolution, not just in biological terms, but evolution also means the evolution of religion. So you go from this animism to polytheism to henotheism to monotheism. Mm. It could also be an evolution in, in history. Mm -hmm. So if you know anything about Hegel's philosophy, everything is a dialectic. It's all moving this evolutionary uh, uh, projectile. And so what they would say in answer to your question is that it's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. It's a work in progress. Now, remember, whenever we hear the word progressive, progressive and progress always imply change. Mm -hmm. So when politicians are, are saying, well, we're progressive, what they're implying by that, of course, is that there are no objective moral absolutes. Mm -hmm. that, that what was deemed um, um, unethical 100 years ago is no longer deemed unethical today. Mm -hmm. And so homosexuality, a case in point. So progressivism implies that morals are evolving. Mm -hmm. They're never the same. They're never static. Uh, and, and therefore, because we're, we're, we're more progressive today, we are learning more. Mm -hmm. And that is why you have cancel culture. Uh, you have um, people losing their jobs at universities and, and, and seminaries. Uh, I, I was one of them mm -hmm. in one particular seminary. You might know about that, Alex. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that is because um, you, if you don't follow the narrative, then they basically cancel you out. Mm -hmm. And and that you saw that with Jordan Peterson at the University of Toronto and many others. Now this, sorry, I just you Go said ahead. something that kind of jogged my my mind. They, they one of the tactics they seem to use is to always look into our history and find examples of failure. Right. They and they will hammer them to make people feel guilty right. and then they will use that guilt as a, as a lever for more power. Right. But right. how, how do they do that? Seeing that since we're evolving and morality is changing, how, how can you call what they did bad when they just hadn't gotten right. to our point of uh, enlightenment yet? Right. Well, remember the demonization of the West and its history is the calling card yeah. of culture Marxism. Yeah. And so you 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 need to to grasp this idea that even though we're progressing, the white man is guilty. Mm -hmm. It is the unpardonable sin. Your white skin is basically the sign of your guilt. Mm -hmm. There is no removing of that guilt, mm -hmm. so that you are perpetually uh, in a state of of guilt. And this is why reparations are being called for. Yeah, that the white man needs to make reparations to those that they've taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. So what you'll find is the Condemnation of the West in terms of slavery, even though it was the West that abolished slavery uh, with William yeah. Wilberforce in the United Kingdom. And Just then, of a course, little fact yeah, there. <laughs> yeah. And Abraham Lincoln with the act of emancipation in the United States. Yeah. It wasn't perfect, but it was a start in the right direction. Slavery still goes on today in the Islamic world. Yeah. There are slaves in, in Libya and other parts of the Muslim world. It's, it's, it's sanctioned by the Quran and the Islamic sources. Um, and then, of course, no one talks about that because to do that would be Islamophobic. Mm -hmm. So you need to understand, too, that the Marxist, the cultural Marxist movement has created what, what uh, George Orwell called Newspeak. Mm -hmm. They have their own language. And so now you have terms like uh, homophobia, Islamophobia, transphobia. Um, and then you have other terms like uh, ageism. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got terms like Even uh, a word like hate. Yeah, and yeah. Redefined it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hate is the new. Uh, basically, truth is the new hate speech, mm. um, and, and therefore, 
um, anything to do with the West, Western Christianity, the white European heterosexual male, guilty of colonization, guilty of slavery, guilty of the patriarchy. But what they don't do is they never discuss the fact that the West abolished slavery. Mm -hmm. They don't talk about the fact that slavery still exists today in many parts of the world. They don't talk about the fact that, take land acknowledgements, for example. Mm -hmm. The fact that before any event takes place, you need to acknowledge you're on the land of the of the Hurons or the land of this tribe. Uh, there are churches. I know a church here in Toronto that does that. Good grief, before the Sunday service. And so when you bring I this the up, earth was the Lord's. The- that's exactly <laughs> yeah, my, my line acknowledgement is Psalm 24, 1, right? Yeah. The is the Lord. But, but what you find is this idea that, well, the white man came here and the white man took advantage of the First Nations people and so forth. What they never talk about is the fact that the Aboriginal people were conquering each other, stealing land from each other, yeah. raping each other's wives, in some cases cannibalizing, as mm-hmm. they did in, in Central America. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about the fact that, um, uh, you know, when Columbus came to the Caribbean islands, uh, one of the tribes he met there were, the cannab- were actually the cannabis tribe, mm-hmm. where we get the word cannibalism from. Mm-hmm. And that was because they ate people, they ate their enemies. Mm-hmm. A- and so the Aztecs used to sacrifice slaves on the altars to the sun god by ripping out their hearts. Uh, and it was, it was the conquistadors from, from Spain that, that put an end to that mm-hmm. because of the Christian worldview. So they will never talk about this. It's always the demonization of the West. Every culture, every nation has colonized. Mm -hmm. Look at the Islamic world today. North Africa is all Islamic. Mm -hmm. The Middle East, um, India, a great portion of India is Muslim. How did the Muslims get from Saudi Arabia all the way to North Africa? And at one point they made it to Spain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, places like Cordova and and, and, uh, the Andalusian uh, Empire. Uh, Well, they they went there by conquering Mm -hmm. with the sword in the name of Allah. Mm -hmm. Um, no one asks for, you know, Turkey was the, was the center of Eastern Christianity with Constantinople mm-hmm. and in conquered Constantinople and, and changed it into a Muslim country. When is Turkey going to give reparations to Greece? When are they going to give Hagia Sophia, the, the, the big church there that's now converted to a mosque? When are they going to return that back to the Greek Orthodox church? Mm-hmm. You don't hear about this. And, and, and then when we hear this, this racism stuff, there is racism in every culture. Mm-hmm. Bla- I, I used to pastor a black church, and my my pastor friend told me that he said Jamaicans are some of the most racist people. He was Jamaican himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when I pastored a Chinese church, they well, the Chinese were also, <laughs> you know, they would refer to white people as Gui Lo, which means white ghosts. <laughs> and they would refer to black people as Hakwe, which means black ghosts. Wow. <laughs> every culture has racism. The problem is not the color of our skin. The problem is total depravity. Mm-hmm. Right. All human beings are guilty before a holy God. Mm-hmm. And I've said this before, it's a bit cliche, but it's not about skin, it's about sin. Yeah. And it's not about race, it's about grace. Yeah. And so that is the problem with this worldview is that it is one dimensional, it is tunnel vision, mm-hmm. it is particularly against one particular group. Yeah. And if you try to challenge that, you're going to be called everything under the book. Uh, and so I've been called an Islamophobe just for questioning the Quran. Mm-hmm. And so I've come up with my own terms. So now I, I tell people, well, if you oppose the Bible, then you're a Christophobe. Mm-hmm. Right? So let's mm-hmm. talk about Christophobia. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. don't hear that term. No. It seems like with all false worldviews, they need to actually borrow Christian 
principles yeah. and standards in order Parasitic. to criticize Christians. It's right. like you right. should you should value the victim. Oh, really? That's an interesting idea. That's right. something that the world has never done. Like, <laughs> right. and, and right. Tom, Tom Holland talked about this uh, extensively. You know, the agnostic and saying you don't realize that how novel it is that a victim would be exalted. Like that is not something that happens in the world. Yeah. If you're right. if, if you're at the bottom of the totem pole, then too bad for you. Like it right. life's about power over the weak kind of thing and and so th- it's almost like cultural marxism can only work in the west. Ironically, right. like it, it can't you can't go into needs, the Islamic it, world. Yeah. It, it needs no. universities, right? They, right. Like, they didn't start right. their own institutions. Like you right. said, they're parasitic. They just took over existing right. institutions. Yeah, you don't find it in China. You don't find it in the continent of Africa. You don't find it in uh, in the Islamic world. Uh, you know, one of my students took a course on social justice with me at at Toronto Baptist Seminary, and he was from Ghana. And I asked him, I said, "Do you have these issues? Like, do people ask what is a woman in Ghana, etc.?" <laughs> he goes, "We're too busy trying to make trying to survive day by day." Yeah. He goes, he says, "I don't understand what this obsession is with the West." Yeah. So it is primarily a Western phenomena. But there's a reason for that, because the cultural Marxists understood that the West was born out of the Judeo-Christian worldview. So you think of all the major inventions, like the, think of the Industrial Revolution, think of uh, the invention of the automobile, the airplane, the computer, um, even scientific, microscopes, telescopes, eyewear, uh, all of these things, the majority, the bulk of these inventions were created in the West. Mm -hmm. And why? Because they had this view that God created and that God made man in his image to be creative and that God has given us the universe to investigate and to explore. You know, C.S. Lewis once put it this way, that men became scientists because they believed there was law. There was order in the universe and they believed in law because they believed there was a lawgiver. And even Einstein understood that the most uh, most, um, uh, puzzling thing about the universe, he says, the, the, the most puzzling thing about the universe is that it's, 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 it's it's orderly, mm-hmm. and that it could be understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only way that could happen, he argued, is that there, there had to be a mind that put order into that universe. Mm-hmm. And so you need to understand that at the very root level, I've got a book coming out hopefully sometime in the next year uh, called No King But Christ, and the subtitle is The Collapse and Bankruptcy of, of Sector Worldviews. Nice. And what I argue in that book is that at the, the most root level, this is Psalm 2 in action. It is the rulers of the world, the kings of the world, the kings of the nations have rallied themselves. They've, they've set themselves against Yahweh and his Messiah. Mm. And at the, the most root level, what this is, is an attack on the king. Yes. It, it is antichrist to the core. Uh, and that is why they're not going after Muhammad. They're not yes. going after the Quran. Yeah. They don't, they're not going after Buddhism. They're not no. going after Confucianism or Zoroastrianism. They're going after the Bible. They're going after the the, the scriptures, uh, uh, attacking the biblical God as this patriarchal figure. Yeah. Uh, you know the idea that God is a he, a king, a master, a lord. That has been seized upon even by feminists to argue that Christianity is responsible for the subjugation of women. So this is important because I want I want our listeners to understand this. I mean, and I have thought you you traced kind of the history of Marxist thought through ideas. And this is one level of analysis. And it's it seems correct to me. But 
these, obviously, you know, as a Christian pastor, theologian, the reason that these things take root is not owing to intellectual um, explanations alone, that it's owing to spiritual explanations, and it's owing to sinful inclinations in us as well, but who we are as human beings. Like, why is why is Marxism so popular? Some people might hear the intellectual history of it, which is true, and think, yeah, I don't know, because I didn't know any of that before now. You know, I did, I've never heard of those guys, and I don't really think that that's how I arrived here. And I think in order for any story to be very potent. There needs to be several factors. One, it has to be in some way um, connected to the truth. There has to be some semblance of truth to it to appeal to people. And secondly, it has to actually appeal to the more base aspects of our humanity. And if you can mm-hmm. do both of those things together, well, you have a, va- a very potent a potent story to tell. Right. And Correct. I think the truth, the grain of truth in Marxism is one that looks at the world and says something is wrong and there needs to be improvement. And um, and that's true. Or that there is such a thing as a victim and there, there are oppressors and there's these part truths. But the reason that this is dangerous is because, as you say, that's not a complete narrative. Right. And what this also builds on is the most base instincts of humanity, like envy, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. We we read in the Bible that envy, you know, Cain and Abel, like envy, um, Jordan Peterson uses the phrase murderous envy. Yeah. And yes. that stuck to me. And you think of Pilate. It says in the scripture that Pilate could tell, he perceived that it was out of envy that they wanted to crucify Jesus. Yeah. And um, Marxism as an as a economic philosophy appeals to people's envy for those who have what they do not. Right. And if you can convince them that their envy and bitterness and resentment towards those who have is actually an indication of their sense of justice. And if you could convince them that their actions that they take, you know, go to those kulaks and rape their wives and daughters and take their farms is actually a means of that's an act of justice, or yeah. you could convince the Hamas that that they are being occupied and that they need to rise up against the oppressors. Um, you know, then then I mean that's the that's the most dangerous ideology because it's yeah. a part truth about justice and oppression and victimization, but it it they are confusing the sinful aspects of our nature, right? Right. And and it's so contradictory, isn't it? Because they, they'll talk about, you know, the lives, you know, the, the Palestinian lives, which again, all lives are, we're all humans are made in God's image. Yes. The contradiction, <laughs> the contradiction comes in when they, they will, they will call for this and then, but then they'll, they'll, abol- they'll murder the children in the, in the womb. Yes. Uh, mass slaughter of the children in the womb. So, yes. so in one case, they're trying to say we care about lives, but in another case, we approve of destroying the lives of children yes. in the womb. Um, and so I think I, I like your your appeal to Cain and Abel because I think with Cain and Abel we we really do have here the the beginnings of this the idea of the 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 idea of the oppressed and the oppressor. So mm-hmm. think of Abel, for example, who Hebrews eleven says was the first righteous man who mm-hmm. whose faith was exemplary. Mm-hmm. Um, Abel understood the concept that God only approved of blood atonement. Mm-hmm. He would have learned that from his parents, mm-hmm. you know, when God mm-hmm. killed those animals and took their skin and, and clothed them. Mm-hmm. And so 
Abel presents God with the lamb, mm-hmm. and of course, Cain brings the produce of the ground, which mm-hmm. was cursed by God. Mm-hmm. It, it's the sign of man's labor. You will never be justified before God by your works. So, Abel trusts in the blood of the lamb, which is a prefigurement of Christ, the lamb of God, and God accepts Abel's offering, but he does not show favor to Cain. Yes. But notice Cain's response to that is not one of, even God says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Yes. Why is your face downcast? So God is even encouraging him. You can do the right thing. Well, Cain doesn't want that. Cain sees himself as the victim. Yes. yes. And he, he begins to stew in that that bitterness. Self-pity. And notice what that bitterness does. It, it turns into violence. Yes. And so he then... He then plans to kill his brother. So he got the first homicide recorded in the scripture in Genesis 4. So compare that today to the the African-American plight that the victim status is being perpetuated Mm. by generation to Mm -hmm. generation. Mm -hmm. And they stew in that anger. And then they feel justified in in killing police officers or they feel justified in, uh, you know, going into plazas and and, and taking things Mm because you owe us Mm -hmm. that type of thinking. Mm -hmm. So. This is where the cultural Marxists are, they focus on this victim status. Yes. And then they have this intersectionality where there's degrees of oppression. Right. The wheel of, it's not the wheel of fortune, the wheel of oppression. Mm-hmm. And so in this particular case, so if you're, if you're a, a black woman, you are, you are, you are a, an oppressed class. Mm-hmm. But if you're a lesbian black woman, mm-hmm. you're even more oppressed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and then if you identify as, as transsexual or asexual, uh, or 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 disabled, um, then you're even more oppressed. Mm-hmm. And so you everything the is based on these. Oh yeah, yeah. It's all based on degrees degrees of, of oppression. But you know the the idea of of the the um, opportunity, the the idea that you can achieve things. So in the one case, you you have this idea of equity where everyone is the same at mm-hmm. the end of the day, despite who you are. And so that's basically a code word for communism. Yeah. Everyone is the same. They're all paid the same way and so forth and so forth. And so what you have then is that you have this principle of equity where everyone's the same. But notice the principle that God laid down in Genesis 3 after the fall was that human beings could have the opportunity to be what they want if they work hard at it, yeah. if they earn their keep, if they study, if they, you know, work very hard at their studies and so forth, you, you know, you can become a lawyer, you can become an engineer, you can become a doctor and so forth and so on. So what you find there is, is that that principle is based on the work principle that God has established. Yes. That it's through work that you earn your bread. Mm-hmm. Notice what's happening in, in, in cultural Marxism. It's the antithesis. You know, welfare, right? Welfare, uh, you know, whitey owes you, um, you know, kids, well, why would they want to go to school? I mean, you know, they could just collect CERB or, or just, you know, um, just, you know, the government can just pay them out and mm-hmm. so forth. And, and, and all of that, again, goes back to, to Genesis 3, mm-hmm. uh, where God has established that if you want to eat, you got to work. Mm-hmm. And so what did Paul say to the Thessalonians? If you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah. It seems like there's an inherent, um, and and again, this goes back to the fall, you know, there's an inherent abdication of responsibility. There's a resentment for responsibility and there, and this is replaced with blame. It's replaced with blame. Just as Adam blamed God and blamed Eve and blamed everyone but himself. 
Right. Um, that there's a the 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 dangerous side of a victim mentality is that it profoundly resents and rejects responsibility. Yes. Which, which means that it is actually antithetical to love because love yeah. is taking responsibility and and bearing up under your duty towards other people. But a yeah. Marxist worldview is only about their duty to you yeah. and their yeah. responsibility to you, not what your responsibility. Yeah. Well, this is the discussion of human rights. It's like, well, yeah. um, you know, food is a human right. So that means somebody else has to provide the food for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Anything that's a human right uh, needs to be provided. Yeah. Right? So, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, do you think, do you think it's fair to say that it sounds like in, when you talk that, um, that cultural Marxism is inherently destructive, even though you look beneath the, 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 you know, working towards a utopian vision or something, it is inherently against, it's not a positive, it's not actually a positive vision. It's not a, a, a vision of building and producing. It's a vision of taking and claiming and tearing down. Um, and when you say against Christ and Christians, it's it's against any norms. So they yeah. don't even care what it is, whether it be sexual norms, family norms, uh, you know, tr- no, like epistemological norms. Like, how do you know what yeah. is true and real? They don't. It just feels like a full out assault on reality, mm-hmm. which makes yeah. me a- agree with your assessment that this is not. It may have come to you know this. These ideas may have come through certain philosophers and teachers, but it's really just demonic. It's just a demonic yeah. assault yeah. on Christ and, yeah. and, and yes. Psalm too. Yes. It's hard in the way. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, brother. Go ahead. You go ahead. I'm just going to say that at the end of the day, if you really want to really put Marxism into a capsule, it's about power over truth. Yes. That's power good. over truth. By all means necessary, and the end will justify the means. Mm. And so Christianity is not about power over truth, it's truth over power. Yes. And so when Pilate's when Christ stood before Pilate and and you know Christ was king, Christ could have done whatever he could have called the Legion of Angels if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. But isn't it interesting that the question that Pilate asks Jesus is not, you know, what is power? Because Rome had power. I mean, yes, you know, the the, the might makes right was mm-hmm. their philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so when Pilate asks Jesus, he doesn't ask him about power. Mm-hmm. He asks him, what is truth? Mm-hmm. And notice Jesus doesn't respond to that question. Jesus, he stares at Jesus and says, what is truth? Jesus doesn't answer that question. And the irony there is that Pilate was staring at the truth. Yeah, Truth was incarnate before his very eyes. Mm-hmm. The answer was right below his nose, and he didn't even know it. And so you need to understand that Christianity maintains that truth will prevail mm-hmm. at the end because mm-hmm. power in and of itself, power, absolute power uh, corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we need to understand that the cultural Marxist movement does not care about truth. There is no objective truth because there is no God. Yes, yes. And Marx argued that God was a pie in the sky, that religion is the opium of the people. Mm-hmm. So at the very root of of Marxism, cultural and classical, is atheism. Mm -hmm. No God, no human rights. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's not about individuality. Marxism is about group identity. What defines you is your group. So if you're gay, you're defined by the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. If you are black, you're identified by the black community. 
But what the Bible does is the Bible emphasizes the value of the individual Mm -hmm. as the image of God. Mm -hmm. And that's why Paul could say, Christ died for me. The Son of God loved me, and he gave himself for me. Mm. That doesn't mean he didn't die for us, as that is God's elect, of course. But the, the, the concept of, and I think Tom Holland in his book, Dominion, points this out, the idea of the importance of the individual mm-hmm. as an individual is a biblical idea mm-hmm. that Christianity brought into the world. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, the Romans, you were, you were identified as you, know, you were the Roman Empire. Your individuality as a person didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And so you need also to grasp this idea that Marxism does not care about you as an individual. What defines you is not God. What defines you is the group that you are identified with. Yes. So, so it's it seems like Marxism always tends towards collectivism rather right. than in individual responsibility. I think it it has to because it's inherently it, it has to trample on people in order to gain right. its yeah. ends, and you can't do that if you're actually promoting individual rights. <laughs> Yeah, and collect and collect the the collective and the and the individual is summed up in the triune God. Yeah, the triune God is three in one. Mm-hmm. So you got the one and the many. The problem of the one and the many was a problem that the philosophers could never solve, until Augustine came along and said the Trinity solves that problem. <laughs> uh, and so the basis of individuality and collectivism, the Church is what the body of Christ, yes. but it's made of individuals. Right, So there's a collective aspect to the body of Christ, and there's an individual aspect. Mm. We see that in the Lord's Supper. From one bread, Paul says, one loaf of bread, we, we fragment it into pieces. And so Marxism falls into the old trap of the one and the many. It identifies with the many yes. in the group identity, but it does, not, it does not focus on individual rights because your rights don't matter. That's why communists could trample on you. You know, they could send tanks into Tiananmen Square and run you over Mm -hmm. because you don't matter as an individual. All that matters is the party. The Borg. That's all that matters. That's right. The Borg. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And it it seems, this makes sense then why um, Marxism has, it seems to me, has always been statist because they believe in power and politics is the exercise of power. So it makes sense. They, whereas the Christian gospel is, you know, respects the various spheres of authority and responsibility. We've talked a lot about that the last couple of years. For them, it's about the mechanism that they care about is the state. And and they'll crush and subsume every other sphere in this world under that. That's right. That's why they're totalitarian. Yes. Totalitarian. The state is everything. There's no no church rights. There's no spheres in terms of the church. E- even, I mean, think about the whole COVID thing, you know, not, not to, I mean, we've been through this about the t-shirt, but the whole COVID situation where the medical field is supposed to be separate mm. from the government. And yet what we saw was the government and the medical field merging together. Mm-hmm. And, the la- and when we saw that happen in Nazi Germany, it wasn't a very good picture No, when politics and medicine came together. And so when you, when you interfere into those, those jurisdictions, all you have is chaos and mayhem mm-hmm. because they're violating the principles that God has established. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like a lot of the people pushing this, uh, they, must, they must know that it doesn't work. Right, that it's ultimately not going to work. I'm sure there are plenty of naive politicians. I think there's actually, true believers, man. Oh, I know there's true believers, but there's and and again, there's something demonic behind this. 
But for those for those that know this is not like people know you can't just print money forever and you can't have a two day work week and have everybody get a basic income from the government. Like people aren't that dumb to know that that's going to work. So is there a play or is this just is it just power? Is that all? Well, I think it's I think it's there's in both camps. I mean, BLM. You know, they they were all about Black Lives Matter, and, and they were they were self confessed Marxists. Mm-hmm. But one of their leaders ended up buying a, a couple of mansions in a white neighborhood. Oh yeah. <laughs> so so obviously there are frauds out there, but see at the end of the day, everything is about reparations. Yes. And so if you're an oppressed class, the oppressors owe you. Yeah. And and Margaret Thatcher, the the former Prime Minister of Britain, way back in the day, she said socialism is using everybody's money until you run out. <laughs> and and so at the end of the day, it's all about um, you know the oppressed need to be supported by the oppressors and mm-hmm. uh, whichever way that that manifests itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is why this white privilege is being pushed so much because the idea is you owe us, mm-hmm. you owe us uh, for what your ancestors have done. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, I mean, the, another reason this whole victim mentality is so dangerous is because it. Not because it identifies victims, but because it fails to identify oneself as the oppressor. And yeah. so Jesus said that you have to remove the log from your own eye before you can see the speck yeah. clearly in your brothers. And if your entire worldview is that evil and bad, the locus of all that is evil and bad in the world is someone else, is not me, that has profound implications for how you act mm-hmm. in the world. And that's why Marxist ideology tends towards violence. And and I just wrote down a quote. They were chanting this, I think, yesterday in Toronto. When people are occupied, resistance is justified. But Mm -hmm. but listen to this, right? If I am the the victim, if I am uh, occupied, resistance, in the context of this, 1,400 civilians dead, tortured, raped, this type of thing, this is where this goes. Because... They they are not the the occupied cannot be sinful, they they are inherently justified, and right. the the occupiers are inherently condemned. Right. Whereas in the Christian gospel, all are condemned under sin, and all can be justified in Jesus Christ, not by identifying as the occupied or as the the minority or as the victim. Only in and through Jesus Christ, but one of the consequences is peace among men, mm-hmm. and yes. and I think we are going to see, and apart from revival, we're going to see enormous escalations in violence because because this ideology is it it, it justifies violence, it requires yes. violence, and it justifies violence. It's not even yes. a bad thing. Um, I want to ask about the connection between the Marxists and. Uh, and the the Muslims, yeah. And I've noticed this for a long time. So is it is it uh, is the connection simply that the Marxists are using uh, Muslims as a as pawns, or is there actually something inherent in Islam that identifies with the Marxist ideology? Uh, I would say there's both, but you know the old saying: "The enemy of my enemy is my friend." Yes, right. And so, so in the case of the Marxists and Islam, remember, Muslims are considered an oppressed group. Mm-hmm. Remember, it's the Christians. It's the white European Christian who's the oppressor. Muslims, by 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 elimination, are part of the oppressed, mm-hmm. and therefore Marxists are going to rally behind the Muslims because Muslims are a minority group and they're oppressed. Mm-hmm. 
Remember, Israel is the only democratic country in the Middle East. Mm. All the Arab countries are run by dictators or despots or a royal family in Saudi Arabia. Mm. And so because Israel is a democratic country, there's hatred towards that in Marxism, mm. already going back to Marx. So they hate Israel because it's, it's, it's democratic. Number two, they also understand that because Israel, being the land of Christianity, the origins of Christianity, the land of the prophets, and so forth and so on, um, they also understand that it, out of that idea sprung Christianity. And mm -hmm. so there's, there's this hatred, the way Hitler hated the Jews, because, you know, he, he argued that, that Christianity was a wimp religion because it came out of Judaism. Mm -hmm. He even argued, he had his own made-up academics, argued Jesus was not a Jew, mm -hmm. he was an Aryan. Uh, that's a topic for another day. But the point here is this. Um, the Muslims are a minority. They're oppressed. Israel is a democratic state. It's allied with, with America. And therefore, we need to fight against them. Mm -hmm. Number two, um, Islam and, and Marxism are virtually the same in the sense that Islam is a religious form of Marxism. Mm -hmm. What do I mean by that? Um, Islam believes that human beings are not identified individually. They're identified by groups. You're either the believer or you're the infidel. Mm -hmm. Secondly, Islam does not believe in human rights. You don't have the right to question the Quran. Uh, you don't have the right to leave Islam under punishment of death, apostasy. Women don't have any rights in Islam. Men can have four wives and, in fact, can have more sex slaves if they uh, gain them in, in, in warfare. And we saw some of that in Israel. And therefore, Islam and communism, if you look at their views, they're both against dem democracy. They're both against basic human rights. They're, 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 they, all, they both believe in the end will justify the means. So whether it's through jihad, by killing so many people, uh, if, as long as you could uh, uh, advance Islam. In Marxism, the same rule applies, that the end will justify the means. It doesn't matter how many peasants Mao Zedong killed in China, as long as the Communist Party became victorious. Mm. And so their, their worldviews are the same. The only difference is Islam has a, has a God. It's, it's, it, it has a deity, Allah, whereas communism does not. So they're very similar in their worldviews, but the reason why you'll see a lot of these Marxist flags backing up the Palestinians is because the Muslims are an oppressed group. Mm. And they side with the oppressed. Uh, and if you know anything about the history of the region, uh, the Russians have always backed Israel's enemies, whether it be Syria or whoever. They've always helped arm them Correct. and backed them. And uh, I'm assuming that was to try and further their cause in, in the Middle East against the cause of Correct. democracy. Correct. The only, the only backfire was back in the 80s, uh, 70s, 80s, when Afghanistan was uh, at war with Russia. And uh, of course, the U.S. was was aiding the Afghani's mm -hmm. with military aid and so forth. Uh, and of course, out of that disaster came out, you know, came Osama bin Laden. Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't matter how much you 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 try to, in the case of the U.S. and Afghanistan, that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you need to understand that the worldview of Islam is is that it will dominate the world. Mm -hmm. It's global, like Christianity. The only difference is we don't believe that it's done by warfare. But in Islam, the idea is that it is—it's also utopian that the whole world will come under the Sharia law, the Islamic law. But isn't, that's the yeah. same with communism. Isn't it funny that all of these, whether they be secular, um, 
heresies or or religious heresies all seem to mimic the Christian story, but they're 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 right. robbing these elements of it. Like we, that's what we believe about the dominion of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. From sea, from sea to sea and from the river to the ends yeah. of the earth. Um, they've taken that and put it into their system. But that's Antichrist, isn't it? Isn't yeah. that what Antichrist does? Right? I mean, Antichrist, the word Antichrist, Antichristos, the word anti in Greek means to be either against or to be in the place of. Mm. And so Antichrist is not just against Christ, but Antichrist claims to be Christ. Yes. He, he comes in the place of Christ. And right. so he's the imposter. Uh, he looks like Christ, but he's not Christ. Yes. Right? He's a lamb that has two horns, but speaks like a dragon. Yes. So he appears like Christ, but he's not. And and so at the end of the day, if you notice in scripture, Satan is the great ape of God. Satan apes everything God does, right? So are there prophecies? He comes with false prophecies, false signs and wonders. Um, you know, uh, Satan doesn't create anything out of whole cloth. Mm-hmm. Everything he does is an imitation. And so when Moses goes to Egypt and Aaron takes his rod and throws it onto the ground. It turns into a serpent. Well, the magicians of Egypt come along. They do the same, and their rods turn into serpents. And clearly, you could see that Satan is with the magicians of Egypt, and what he does there is he imitates, he copycats Mm -hmm. what God does. And so, in my book, in No King But Christ, what I have argued is that all of human history is a testament to the fact that man has tried to rule without God. Mm -hmm. And whether it's democracy, oligarchy, dictatorship, socialism, communism, monarchies, constitutional monarchy like we have in Canada, um, they all fall short. Mm-hmm. And I argue in my book that the only form of government that will really bring true lasting peace is theocratic monarchy, mm. where God rules through his son, through mm-hmm. his Messiah. Amen. That's so good. And I mean, just as we're talking, maybe to close on a high point too, that the one of the the glories of the Christian gospel is that there actually is an atonement for sin, and yes. both Marxism and Islam don't offer that. Um, that that Marxism, as history has demonstrated and is plainly playing out, is 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 basically conquest by blood. Like it's yeah. it's an exercise in force. It's join us or die. Right. And the Christian gospel is that you know, Christ died for us, that, that right. Christ gave his blood in our place. And right. he, he will conquer one day, and he right. when he returns, that there, his enemies will not stand. But in the meantime, there actually is the offer of, not just the offer, the possibility of forgiveness yeah. in him. And, and this, the Christian gospel has had such an, a, a beautiful effect on the world. As fallen as the world is, and as many problems as there have always been and will be until Christ returns, the new heaven and the new earth, but the fact that we've been able to live at peace with one another and not be in a constant state of revolution. Um, I mean, that this who is that Von Prinster who talks about um, revolution and unbelief? That these things go hand in hand. Yeah. When you forsake the true and living God, you you are given to a rejection of standards and norms in a constant state of revolution, and yes. you know we need to we need to pray for the Christian gospel to triumph if we want to experience any measure of peace again. That's right. We're in the day of the judges again. This yeah. is the time of the judges, where you know the refrain in judges is everyone did what was right in their own eyes, mm-hmm. and but notice it goes on to say because there was no king. Yeah, right. In Israel, 
And the last words of the book of Judges is exactly that. This was a time when everyone did what was right. I think it's Judges 21, 25. And that is because there was no king. Now, isn't it interesting that following the book of, of Judges, we have the book of Ruth. Mm. And in the book of Ruth, what we find is, of course, you know, this Moabite woman, and then she meets Boaz. And, you know, before Boaz met Ruth, you know, she, he was ruthless, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then at the end of the book of Ruth, at the end of the book of Ruth, you will notice it ends with one word, David. Yeah. And so what Judges is saying is that this, that, that, the polarizing, the, 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 the foundation, the, the, the polarizing force that will maintain order in society is the king. Mm -hmm. And so the book of Ruth establishes already the genealogy and the line of David. And so for Samuel, you now have the coming of the monarchy, the failed monarchy. You know, the people's choice, Saul was a total disaster, but the man of God's choice was David. Mm -hmm. And so this is the point is that, we need the king. Mm -hmm. The king of kings is the only one who could bring true peace to the world. Mm -hmm. He is the stabilizing force. He's the foundation of meaning and purpose and objective morality. Without the king, there is no objectivity. Mm -hmm. Without the king, we are back to moral relativism, which is exactly what Judges is about. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That is moral relativism. And, and therefore, we, we need to understand why the kingship of Christ is so important. You know, we had debates over lordship salvation. We had debates over various Christological issues. And these are all important, not to downplay lordship salvation, very important. Mm -hmm. But we rarely hear about the kingship of Christ. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think we really need to come back to uh, and, 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 and highlight that aspect of our Lord's uh, reign. Amen. Yeah, I think a lot of people just push that into the future. Um, yeah, that's what dispensationalists do. So you've got a king on hold, mm -hmm. yeah. and so uh, he 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 reigns in some case in some in some sense he reigns, but he doesn't really rule. Mm -hmm. right. uh, and, and so uh, and so that's that's one of the major problems with that worldview. But mm -hmm. we need to understand that the ascension of Christ, you know, in the in the West, uh, a lot of of our Baptist churches don't really celebrate Ascension Day, but Ascension Day is very important mm -hmm. in in some of the historic Protestant churches. And the reason why I, I'm highlighting the ascension is because the ascension is the coronation of Christ. Mm -hmm. What do kings do? They ascend to the throne. Mm -hmm. When Christ descended into heaven, it's at that point we were told, the father mm -hmm. said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Mm -hmm. And it's at that point that Christ is, not that he wasn't king before, right? Even though David was, was, was anointed king by Samuel, but he later became king over all Israel. Mm -hmm. But at the, at the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, that was his coronation. Mm -hmm. And so we await the king, we await him to come and to bring about true lasting peace that this world desperately needs. Amen. Well, I guess I'll close us on that. And we've already referenced our our uh, tag scripture, but I'll, I'll give it to us again. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. We'll see you next time. <laughs>